namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sangam Namasami So here we are experiencing changes in our world and they continue to engulf us. So what does that feel like to... Um, experience the world in this way? What do we feel? Constricted, frustrated, scared, disappointed, impatient? What are the feelings that come up for us? Maybe also a kind of happiness because it's a time when the year is ending and there may be opportunities to spend time with family, looking forward to that. Or there may be separation from family. What is there? Worry, anxiety, restlessness. Some of these are familiar to us, but then we are the lucky ones in that we have the refuge of this practice of the three jewels, they really are a refuge and they really do hold us. But we have to remember to hold the sign of the refuge in our lives day by day. Just as when we sit down to meditate, we hold an object in the mind to keep the mind focused and to enable the mind to go deeply into that. Why do we do that? We do it to gain a certain strength, an internal strength. We do exercise, we go for walks. It's good for our health. But there's something else that happens when we do these things that are good for the body, they're actually good for the mind. And especially if we take walks in nature and we observe the natural world, even now at this time, we go out in the forest, there's absolutely nothing there. And yet there's everything there. There's no movement. The other day we went for a walk in the forest and we stood and listened. There was not the call of a bird, not a branch. The trees stood tall and empty, reaching for the sky, just as they have for 20, 30, 50, 70, a hundred or more years, they're just standing there. And we stood there watching. 
no snow, the flickering light of the sun coming through the trees, nothing at all stirred. And the effect that that had on the mind was to bring it to complete stillness, just a stopping. Because we only exist in this world in the way that we receive it and the way that we give back to it. That's what the trees seem to be saying in their silence. That if we are silent with the world, then the world is silent with us. Even if everything looks dead, but it isn't in the death of winter, there's so much life. Because the elements do not stop being elements. There's the wood element, the air element, the fire element expressing itself as heat, cold, temperature, the water element, the moisture or lack of it. Certainly there's a lot of moisture in the earth and there were some places where there was mounds of snow with our footprints deeply embedded in it so we could find our way back. And you could only rejoice in that quiet. It's just a resounding joy in the silence. These are moments that each of us must find in the death of winter and in the seeming death of what is happening. Our expectations must die. Our wanting must die. Even our anger and disappointment must die in the face of these elements because they are teaching us to be elemental and to be quiet and to make peace with things just as they are. What else can we do? To be fully human is to wake up. To be wise is to know the truth of things as they are in their universal aspect, which is impermanent, suffering, and ownerless. We are born and we live and we die and we own absolutely nothing. But because of our misunderstanding of that, we believe that we own it all. It all belongs to us. Nothing belongs to us, not the body, not the world, not each other, not our health, not our life. Nothing belongs to us. And in that emptiness, we can stand true as the children of the Buddha, as his true daughters and sons because we grow incredibly wise in these moments of stopping. There's absolutely nothing to be angry at. There's only gratitude to be able to stand still and see things for what they really are.
we just bow to that. We have to bow. Here in the monastery, we do a lot of bowing. We're not just bowing out of habit. Oh, there's a shrine. You get down on your knees. But to stand and bow in front of the truth moment by moment is perhaps the hardest bow of all because we have to let go so much. But this letting go is the name of it. It's the truth of it. It's harder to do when we're young because all life, whatever that means, we have a definition and an enormous expectation about this life and what it can bring us. But when we stand in front of the death of winter and see what there is in that to bow to, then we can bow to everything that life offers no matter how vague or dull or dim, no matter how implosive it feels, we can do this. We have the power to be in the refuge of Dhamma in a way that we didn't even know. But it requires a new kind of bow, a humility, a receptivity, a forgiveness, a generosity of spirit, and the love that extends to all, all things, all beings, to life, to death, to sickness, to aging, to weakness, to strength, all of it. One of the things I never expected, but it seems to happen sometimes, is that in getting old and, and being weak, I find people coming and being close to me who are strong and help me to do things that I can't do, which is uh, such a beautiful gift, unexpected. So even in weakness, one can be strong because there is so much love around and inside. And giving it in these ways makes us powerful, but ownerless, it's not our power, it is just the power of the human spirit. It's the power of truly receiving the gift of life and the gift of the path. We don't know where the path will take us. When we walk in the forest, there is a trail, and if we get off the trail, it's very easy to get lost. Everywhere in the forest of winter looks like everywhere else. The trees are so similar. And that's how it is with life on this earth. From century to century, we wander in the forest of our 
delusion and we feel lost. But when we come to the path of the Dhamma, we don't feel lost anymore because we can walk on this path in a way that we never walked before. Strong. Even if we're weak, we're strong. Even if we feel stupid, we know things. We have enough wisdom to find the path, to keep our feet on it. To wake up. We know enough to wake up. Even if we wake up slowly, we are waking up. And then the gratitude pours through. And the love grows bigger and more strong and resilient. And it keeps us going like nothing else. And the blessings pour down. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. Nothing to predict, but we find our way through. And the trees comfort and speak in their silence. And the practice reassures us that we are on the path. And we persevere. Suffering is our teacher. This is the same teaching that the Buddha gave two and a half millennia ago. It is valid today. Suffering is our teacher. And in understanding it more and more, we wake up to the ending of suffering, having seen its origin, greed, hatred, and delusion. And in forgiveness, in gratitude, and in clear seeing, we come to the end of suffering. Why not? We really do. Then the way that we spend our time is a true way. It's not concocted. It's not organized by worldly values and worldly activities, but by the treasures of the heart. And we're guided by our aspiration to liberate the heart and to help others liberate themselves from suffering. And even if we can only do that a little bit, it's everything because it keeps the teaching alive for later generations. And so we keep the Buddha's compassion alive. I see the trees and I feel like they are ancient, compassionate friends surrounding us. They have so much patience and perhaps that is their loudest message to us. It's just keep standing. Standing for what 
is most precious to us. And we have to really reflect deeply what is most precious to us. What? And we must live for that. Uphold that. Whatever comes, we can uphold that. Today, when Aya Anaruta came back from the hospital clinic, I asked her how it was. And she said, everyone was so kind. There was so much kindness there. And the doctor moved very swiftly but caringly from person to person, from room to room. So much generosity, so much kindness coming forth. How blessed we are to see this, to receive this. In the middle of all these strange conditions and conundrums, we don't know where we're headed. We never did. We always think we know, but we don't. And now we really know we don't. Even the weatherman always tells us what the weather's going to be, but only the weather knows what it's going to be. So it's good not to know, because in not knowing, we have the chance to experience what it feels like to not know, what it feels like to tremble or be afraid, and to find in the middle of our fear a fearlessness that we didn't know we had, and to be kind and courageous in the middle of that. That's a beautiful quality. These are beautiful qualities to express and practice on each other. What a generosity. That's what the path is made of. It's based on dana sila. After all, it's generosity, contentment, generosity, and virtue. It's goodness. To be kind, generous, to be good, to value each other, to share. To forgive the conditions, no matter what. To be selfless not selfish, selfless. So much joy comes from giving and forgiving. And so much ill will comes from not giving and not forgiving. These are the teachings of today. They are the Buddha's teachings, very alive and awake for us. They are the teachings of all the great masters, male or female, or the trees. Are teaching us that, to be patient and to be patience itself. Patients are also people who are sick. So we come out of our delusion. We are sick ones because we are deluded. We come out of our delusion with patience, not with restlessness. So if today we feel restless, let us practice patience in the face of it. If today we feel selfish, let us 
practice letting go and doing something that can help someone else because it will give us so much joy and gratitude. These are medicines for us to take. The complaining mind will only make us more miserable. The mind of ill will or narrowness, sharp speech or anger, grudge or resentment, these kill the best in us, not the virus. It's the mental virus that is our real pandemic. It's a time to rise up and fight that second virus that is rampant in the world, divisive and demeaning of our humanity. We can do so much with walking this path through the wood, through the death of winter, through the disease, through the dis-ease in the world. We can bring forth something so resplendent through the state of our own mind. What a miracle. The state of our mind can be so healing, such a blessing, such a power. That's the real vaccine. Self-injecting. We don't have to go to a clinic. Each of us has it within us to wake up, to purify, and to stand under the sky of truth. I'm sure there are many fans of Rumi present. And he wrote, it's a habit of yours to walk slowly. You hold a grudge for years. With such heaviness, how can you be modest? With such attachments, do you expect to arrive anywhere? Be wide as the air to learn a secret. Right now, you are equal portions clay and water, thick mud. You are so weak. Give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave until it gets to shore. So that speaks to trust, to grow in trust and faith. How difficult is that? So I offer that for your reflection tonight.